You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. May 26th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety, <clears throat> excuse me, shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. If you're in the U.S., uh, maybe you took the day off to get an even longer weekend, but it is a weekend without the UFC. So it's kind of a strange weekend because we don't get very many of those. And we're not going to get another one until the first weekend of September. So enjoy this time off, my friends. Enjoy this time off. But that also opens things up to for a very interesting show because normally – because we always do free-for-all Fridays on Friday, which means we could talk about MMA. We could talk about whatever event is happening on the weekend. And we could talk about other stuff going on. We Get a lot of questions about the MMA media space. Get a lot of questions about different things, pro wrestling, other sports, what have you. And we get to take some of those things off the table because there's no card to really preview this weekend. So I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to it. So let's just get right into it. Free for all Friday. Let's let our hair down, those who have it, and let's have some fun. Toke. Is going to kick us off. There he is. What's up, man? <laughs> Hi, Mike. Um, so I wish that I was in a good mood on this Friday uh, because I saw a report, or not really a report. Let me put it a different way. John, John Huang Kuo, sorry, I can't pronounce his name, but he, he said that 
the main event has probably been found for UFC Singapore. And he said that this is a matchup that most don't want, but he is looking forward to the violence. So please tell me this isn't Max Holloway versus TKZ. Because I, I feel like I know that I know that Korean Zombie wants to end this way. He wants it to end this way. But you don't let just as you don't let kids lick on your six volt batteries, you don't let TKC get knocked. I mean, just get crushed to oblivion by the second best featherweight in the world. So this seems like a very, very, very bad idea. And I hate if that's the case. I don't know if you have heard anything on this UFC Singapore card uh, about the main event. But if you have, please let me know that it's not that fight. That would be great. Thanks. And have a nice Friday. Uh, I've heard nothing about any of this. Uh, I mean, I've seen reports and rumblings about Singapore and what there could be, but I don't know. I don't know. When Max Holloway called for that fight, he didn't express any interest in going to Singapore or Asia. He said he heard the UFC is going back to Australia. That's the card he wants to fight on. So I don't know. Maybe they offered him a bigger bag. Maybe he does once. Maybe Singapore's on his travel list. I don't know. I'm like the human being in me is with you that I don't want to see zombie just get volumed up by Max Holloway for 25 minutes. But at the same token, I don't like really any matchup for TKZ right now. I mean, he got pieced up bad by Brian Ortega and there's just not a lot of names that like, I'm excited to see him fight. Like I know for a while when they were going to do a card that they, the road to the UFC thing, and then they moved the entire event to Vegas. They were going to do, there's a lot of conversation about Korean zombie versus Giga Chikadze. I would much rather see TKZ get a Max Holloway fight than Giga Chikadze. Because if, if Giga's just going to knock his head off more than likely, and I don't really want to see that. And Max will give him, I guess, the respect that he deserves. And at the same token, if this is Zombie's final fight, and it's a dream of his to fight Max Holloway, then give him Max Holloway. Max is still very good. Still very good. We saw what he did against Arnold Allen. But at the same token, Max is... Max is Greg Maddox right now. He's doesn't have his fastball anymore, but he's still very, very effective. He can still get people out. He can still win fights. He can still use his brain and find ways to win. He can paint the corners, if you will. But he doesn't have his fastball anymore. Max ain't throwing a hundred Max ain't throwing ninety-eight miles an hour anymore. Max is throwing like a solid 89-90 which could be very, very effective. Tom Glavin won a lot of games throwing 89-90. So did Greg Maddox, like I mentioned earlier. So I'm not as opposed to it as you might be. I get where you're coming from, but I don't think it's he'll – he'll probably get volumed up, but I'd rather kind of see that than him just putting somebody over. Or possibly like a very good potential of putting somebody over. Like I don't want to see like Ilya Taporia fight the Korean zombie. And like the Giga win, like if he fights Giga and Giga knocks him out, like I don't want to see that. 
Egan's going to celebrate like he just, like Vitor Belfort knocked out Evander Holyfield more than likely. So, yeah, I would rather see, I'd rather see the Holloway fight. Zombie wants it. Holloway wants it. Both these guys are kind of getting up there in mileage. Sure, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Singapore or a main event or any of that stuff, but I do think that's the fight they're ultimately going to make. Max is a star. Max ain't trying to hold up the division. Called out a name. That name responded and said, I'm in. That's probably the fight we're going to get. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's go to Bull. Bull, how are you? Bull? Boy, how you doing? How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. Good talking to you. Hey, I just wanted to know really quickly um, or, you know, preferably in detail. Uh, what do you think about how Dana and the UFC are handling this all Joe O'Malley Cejudo situation? If you don't mind, get into that for me a little bit. Thank you. Well, I mean, look, I, I have gotten into this quite a bit over the last couple of shows. I have ranted quite a bit about it. Um, I don't really think there's much more I can add to this. Um, the one thing I didn't really touch on was the Cejudo thing because that was a big part of the press conference was it was like $100 to anybody who will – or I'll, I'll give you three guesses on who could have called and said, I'll take that fight. And someone, I mean, who else could it have been besides Henry Cejudo that Dana would have made such a statement about? You never believe who called me. Douglas Silva de Andrade. He wants the fight. You think that's going to happen? No. Of course it was Henry Cejudo. Who the hell else do you think it was going to be? And Cejudo's like, hey, Aljo's P word. I'll step in and do the fight. Of course Cejudo's going to step in and do the fight. Why would he not? Why would he not make that phone call? Of course he is. Of course he would fight Sean O'Malley because he would destroy Sean O'Malley. He would take Sean down and beat the hell out of him. And he'd get a title and a big bag of money? Of course he would take that fight. He's, it's not a bridge too far for Henry Cejudo to call Dana White on the phone and say, hey, I want to take an easier fight than I just had that I will make more money with and probably win the title. And Dana acts like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. This guy's stepping up to the plate. It's not like Cejudo, I mean, Cejudo called out Marab, but it's not like, Dana's like, Cejudo called me up 15 times. He won't stop calling me because he wants to fight Marab Duelish, really. Of course he wants to fight Sean O'Malley. Of course he wants to fight Sean O'Malley. And Henry is back, apparently, in the good graces of the UFC after he screwed them over when he was the champion. So apparently, they're all good now, and Dana and company are, are okay putting the man over. So I don't blame Henry for going after it. He should. He's doing exactly what he should be doing. But to act like, wow, I'm telling you, I looked, I looked at my phone and it was a FaceTime and I saw the eyes of Henry Cejudo on the other end saying, I'll fight in Boston against Sean O'Malley. And it was like an angel got its wings. Like, it's just so ridiculous. But then Aljamain Sterling can't get out of his own way because he wants to get his injuries checked out before fighting three months after he just had a five-round battle. It's insanity. This whole thing is ridiculous. And Dana's getting a little bit rattled, I think. I don't know if you guys are seeing this, 
But he is now he's like screenshotting headlines from outlets and putting it on his Instagram feeds. Have you seen this? He's done it in back-to-back days. He's done it in back-to-back days. Someone posted about the demise of Barstool, which Dana obviously didn't say. We know, like, if you could put two and two together, like, the outlet isn't even an MMA media outlet. So I don't know what the fucking problem is. Like, I don't know why they're lumping everybody together. And that, I think that's Dana's, like, biggest issue with his relationship with the media is that he lumps everybody together. And that's just not how it is. And then last night, did the same thing. Did the same thing. I'm trying to remember which article it was. Um... I want to pull this up because I looked at it this morning. I'm like, man, have you ever seen Dana White do this? That was a little stunning. Like, all this is a little shock. Oh, the Hamza Chemayev thing. That's what it was. Midnight Mania, Hamza Chemayev unfollows Dana White, UFC matchmakers, and Darren Till amidst troubles booking a fight. Uh, And apparently that wasn't true. I don't know why that's really a story anyways, but Dana was like, eh. And then he posted something with Faith. But what is it? Like, Dana doesn't do that. Dana doesn't do that stuff. He just shits on the media. And normally, a lot of people will be like, yeah, fuck the media. But Dana's losing people. He's starting to lose people. It's weird, because, like, we, we did BTL yesterday, and there's a lot of Dana talk, uh, a lot of talk about, like, fighter pay, uh, which you guys know my stance on fighter pay at this point. I I would love to see the fighters make more money. A lot of people blame the UFC for that. I don't typically blame the UFC for that because until the fighters come together and try to invoke change, nothing's ever going to change. Why would the UFC do anything further when they're making so much money and no one's doing anything about it? So they're just doing business and no one's stopping them. Uh, we talked a lot about the France stuff, the Aljo stuff. Uh, and a whole bunch. And normally when we do shows like that where that's the topic and we wax poetically and we're honest and give our actual honest feedback on things, like normally we just get, like I end the show and I'm just like, what were the live chat comments? Like, did we just get absolutely bolstered on there? And they're like, no, most people were like with us on this. And I was like, really? That's typically not what happens when we do shows like this. So I don't know if Dana's getting rattled, but I think he's starting to realize that he's 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 some of these things are slipping away from him, man. And the one thing Dana had in all of this was he could find a way to win in the court of public opinion because a lot of the fans would just be like, "Ah, Dana's the fucking man. He's without him, none of this is possible." And look, I if you listen to that BTL, I gave Dana a lot of credit. And I typically do give Dana a lot of credit for building this sport and building this promotion to what it is today. Now, it's not all on his shoulders, but he is a big part of it when he actually promoted and gave a shit. Now, it's not like he doesn't give a shit, but he's won the battle. It's the same conversation we've had about Conor McGregor in fights. Like, once you wake up in in the silk sheets in a billion-dollar house, like, do you have the same hunger and drive? And the answer is... Yeah, with Power Slap, but not really with the UFC anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. That happens to everybody. Sometimes the motivation changes, and you have different challenges and different goals you want to accomplish. Like, What else can Dana White accomplish 
being the president of the UFC at this point. This dude has won the game. The UFC is killing it. They are printing money. They're making more than any other combat promotion by far, and all of them combined right now. They're crushing it. People are calling them on the phone and saying, hey, we will pay you millions of dollars to come to our city and host one event, sometimes two, sometimes a multi-year deal. Like, that's incredible. And when this TV deal comes up, they're going to be making like three quarters of a billy a year in profit once that TV deal comes up. So they're just, I mean, they're killing it. And Dana is killing it. Like, he killed it to get to this point. But it seems like it's more about just winning the court of public appeal. It's about being stubborn than it is about promoting the brand. You see how he talks about Power Slap. That's how he was, like, 15 years ago. That was, like, the, the, the vigor. That was the excitement. That was the promoter. Promoter Dana White. And how many people has he shit on from Power Slap in any of those press conferences? The answer is zero. The answer is zero. How many, how many slappers have, has he said can't get out of their own ways? The answer is zero. Even though 90% of the roster has failed a fucking drug test already. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's an important piece of all this, but again, and this is brought up in BTL yesterday as well. If Dana left the UFC, someone said if Dana left the UFC, the UFC would crumble. That's just not true. That's just not true. And that is not meant to be an insult. It's meant to be a compliment as well because he has built this thing to run itself and that's impressive. And it's going to make money with or without him. They're going to do the same amount of business with or without him. That's what you do. I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Just promote, man. Just promote. That's all you need to do. Get people excited. Don't just shit on everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Aswalia, hello. What's up, yeah. buddy? Uh, so um, I just have, uh, I guess, two or three things I'd like to ask. My first thing, I'll start it off very simple. Um, regarding the guy Figueroa who's been fired, I think his name is Carpe, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, obviously, we know he's not going to fire Figueroa. Now, what's really um, necessary for him to do in order to possibly get a title shot down the line? Does he maybe fight? <clears throat> excuse me. Does he maybe fight the loser of the Pantoja and Marina um, fight, or would he have to fight someone maybe down the ranks or up? How how could you see this playing out? Because for me, I think I reckon he should fight the loser of that fight so that can push him to the title faster. And maybe let's say Marina wins, he has another contender that's not Figueroa that he could fight. Um, my second thing is um, just regarding. How do you see markets they fight? Do you think it's really solely on the fighters to be able to market themselves, become a superstar, whether on a UFC level, even a more uh, global level, if you know other sports fans want to be interested in them, or is it up to Dana to do that? And my last thing is nothing to do with um, UFC; it's just to do with the NBA game that happened yesterday. Um, you know, I was. What do you think is really? going to take Miami Heat to truly win this series that they want to close it out in game six because we've seen how horrible their defense was. Um, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, you know, um, Kevin Love, they all seem to have been struggling making easy layups. The only guy who was doing um, shooting proper threes was Duncan Robson and I think his name was Caleb. What do you reckon Miami Heat would have to really truly do, I guess, both on defensive and offensively, with their strengths and weakness to truly, I guess, outsmart Boston Celtics. That's all I have. Have a great day, mate. Thank you. Um, speaking of rattled, Miami looking rattled out there. Uh, I, I enjoyed every second of that game last night. It was nice to, like, not have to sweat even a little. They just beat that ass, and I loved it. I guess, I mean, I'm not going to get into, like, technical things, but I will say this from a guy who has been part of many roller coaster playoff runs. And I, and I mean this wholeheartedly. And you can take this and receipt me later. Whoever wins game six is winning the series. If Miami does not put Boston away in game six, they are they're effed. They're done. They're going to get run out of the building in game seven if they don't win game six. So... The only way I'll answer it is Miami has to win game six. If they don't, they're done, and they're going to be in the history books as the only team in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead. And the Kevin Millar vibes are within me. When Kevin Millar's out here just tweeting videos, don't let us win tonight, oh, it warmed my heart. I was like, there's no way the Celtics are going to win there's no way the Celtics are going to lose this game. It was beautiful. Golly, it was beautiful. Other questions. Who is Manel Kopp going to fight? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. You can't do Alex Perez. 
Mateus Nicolau would be fun. Brennan Royval is going to be the backup for the title fight. So I would, the fight I've been wanting since Manel Kopp got to the UFC is Manel Kopp versus Brandon Royval. That's, that's the one I want to see, but I think Brandon, I think Brandon did a lot with that Kansas city fight, like being on the prelims, finishing Nicolau the way that he did saying what he said, the UFC actually taking his back being like, we sh- we effed up. We should have never put this guy on the prelims. I think Roy Val is about in as, as good of a position as he could possibly be in right now. So I don't know who cops going to fight. We got Albazi fighting Kai Kara France next week. Maybe the winner of that, but it just all depends on when, when Minnell wants to get back in there. But yeah, he's probably going to need two wins to get there. Probably. But they could give Roy Val a big bag of money and say, hey, I'm going to have you fight Minnell Cop in a number one contender fight. I don't know if he would turn that one down. So Cop's going to be an interesting an interesting player in this division. I've, I mean, we were super high on him in MMA fighting before he got to the UFC. Once he got to the UFC, we're like, let's go. We're very excited. Seems to be in a groove right now. So let's see what he does. And then the other thing, is it, is it up to the UFC to get every fighter over? No, it's not. It's not. And the comparison I used on BTL yesterday, and I continue to use it, is where the UFC is right now is where WWE was in 1987. And what I mean by that was WWE was making a lot of money. They were doing very well. They were, they were selling out the freaking Pontiac Silverdome for a wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, they had Hulk Hogan. They had like five or six big name stars that were making all the money. And what they did contractually back then was, Hey, we don't give you guaranteed money. We don't give you this massive piece of the pie, but what we will do is we will give you the opportunity to be on television and get yourself over. And if you could do that, then we will strap the rockets to you. And there you go. If you can get over with the people, then you get over with us. We'll give you the opportunities there you go. The people want to pay to see you. You will be paid. That's how it works. That's where the UFC is right now. That's where they're at. Because WWE is just killing everybody in the 80s. But it took change about nine, ten years later when WCW became a big player and changed the game when they got big names and were offering big life-changing, guaranteed money contracts. And once that happened and someone became the equal to WWE, which, by the way, back in the 80s, everybody was saying, no one's going to touch these guys. They're so far ahead of everybody else. And guess what? At some point, somebody caught them. It took them a decade, but somebody caught them. And once they did and they could make a move, they did. And it changed the entire industry. WWE went from, hey, we're not just going to give you opportunity. We're going to give you a big bag of money too so you don't go there. Maybe this Francis deal with PFL could be that change. It ain't it yet. There's a lot of things that need to happen. We have a lot of time between now and when Francis fights again and who they can bring over in between. But... Seeing this deal that Francis got 
gave me WCW vibes. Because even when WCW got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and gave him the guaranteed contract, they were behind. They were the they were number two. They were moving on up, but they were number two. And that move changed everything. And that's what that's how we're going to invoke change in this business. Is that we need somebody to come close to the UFC. Right now, there's nobody even in on the same map as the UFC. They're not even on the same planet as the UFC. They're a part of, for example, I was playing, I play in a softball team on Thursdays and people like are figuring out what I, cause we never, like, I never really tell anybody like what I do. Nobody really gives a shit. They're like, Oh, Hey, Hey Mike, you want to play softball? Cool. Oh yeah. You're okay. You can play with us. And then like someone watched the Conor McGregor documentary and was like, Hey, were you, were you, I thought I heard your voice in the Conor McGregor documentary on Netflix. I was like, yeah, I was in it a couple times. Um, and then I started talking. I was like, yeah, there's, then there's Bellator and the PFL. They're like, who the fuck is Bellator and PFL? I'm like, okay, there you go. That's everything you need to know. That's the casual appeal. And that's how people treated it with like WCW back in the day too. So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, UFC is going to provide you opportunities, but they don't need to promote you. Again, they're number one with the bullet. They make so much money. They make so much money. That's why we're getting the cards that we're getting, people. But it's going to take an organization to make a strong move and not just get Francis Ngannou, not just get one name or two names or three names. You got to get like a bunch of them and float it in with some exciting up and comers and then float it in with some veteran names that people know. And once we get there and they're happy and they're making money, it'll force change within the industry. But until that happens, this is what we're going to get people. But for those saying like it could never happen, just go back to that model. Go back to what WWE was or w- when it was WWF. Go back to where WCW was in 1987. And then fast forward 10 years and the whole entire wrestling business changed. And this is a very similar sort of time frame. It reminds me a lot of this. But is PFL WCW? Can they be that? That's the burning question. If they can... We're in for a fun ride. That's for sure. CV, hello. Mike, Mike, good morning. Happy Friday. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, since it's a free-for-all Friday, um, just a few things to uh, bring, bring up. Uh, bear with me. Um, okay, I was on IG last night, and um, I saw, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I saw a highlight of JDS landing the spinning back kick on Mark Hunt. And I went, I looked into it, and that was actually uh, 10 years ago now, like 10 years ago yesterday. Uh, that was UFC 160. And if you're listening right now, and, you, and if you have a chance, you should like do a quick Google search of that card, because that card was actually crazy. Uh, main event was the Velasquez Bigfoot rematch. Um, I don't know if you remember TJ Grant. He also finished uh, Gray Maynard in the first round. And um, freaking Robert Whitaker was on the prelims. Um, and there's also a couple names on the prelims too that you'll be surprised to see. Um, second thing, uh, I'm going to do a future Otno pick. Um, kind of a crystal ball here, but um, so I want um, Charles Oliveira, win or lose against Dariush. I want him to fight Dan Hooker, win or lose against Jalen Turner. Because I think if Charles wins that fight, he's probably not getting a title shot. And um, in my opinion, if he loses that fight, I think his days 
of being like a, like a top title contender and lightweights over. So I think you can, you know, do a couple of fun fights with him. And um, yeah. Oh, one more thing. Um, George Sauteropoulos. I don't know if you guys remember that name. Um, I think he actually has a fight right now in Melbourne, um, which is crazy because dude's like 45 years old. And um, yeah, that's all. That's, that's, uh, that's it for me today. Um, have a great weekend and um, go Celtics. Damn right. Go Celtics. Uh, UFC 160 is a car we talk about a lot because it's like one of those retroactive, like most stacked cards in that like flew under the radar, maybe in the history of the company. Velasca Silva, JDS Mark Hunt, Glover Teixeira was on that card. TJ Grant, Donald Cerrone, Mike Pyle, Rick Story. Uh, there's a young man on the prelims. I don't know if you ever heard of him. His name is Max Holloway. He was on the prelims. Uh, Robert Whitaker, prelims. Guy, maybe you've heard of this man. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was on the prelims. Maybe you recognize this name. Some of you might not. Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, he was on the prelims as well. Jeremy Stevens on the prelims. I mean, retroactively speaking, and like going back and just looking at this card, it's free. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. UFC 160. So literally 10 years ago to the day. One card I truly remember is UFC 146. Actually, today today's the 26th. Yeah, so, it's, so that was 10 years ago yesterday. 11 years ago today was UFC 146. Uh, I remember this card very, very well, which Junior Santos is in the main event of that. Uh, beat Frank Mir, finished him in the second round of the main event for the heavyweight title. Cain Velasquez beat the shit out of Big, Bigfoot Silva. Roy Nelson knocked out Dave Herman in less than a minute. Dave Pee Wee Herman. That's right. It was an entire main card of heavyweight fights. Stipe Miocic was on that card. Second fight of the card. And Stefan Struve, LeVar Johnson was the opener. And I remember this card because, oh, Glover to share, Mike Brown. Mike Brown and Daniel Pineda was the first fight of that card. Pretty crazy to think about now because Daniel Pineda, back in the UFC, winning fights. Mike Brown, renowned head coach. Glover Teixeira, second fight of the card against Kyle Kingsbury. Dan Hardy, prelims. Uh, Jason Mayhem Miller was on that. Jesus Christ, I remember this so well. Uh, this was literally what I did the day before, the night before my wedding. The night before my wedding was me and all the dudes that like came up or were in the wedding party. We played poker and drank beer and watched this card. And this is a bloody violent card. Kane Velasquez, like the beating Kane Velasquez, but on Bigfoot Silva actually made people uncomfortable. So I remember that one very well. This is, this was like, this used to be a very big weekend for the UFC. Nowadays they don't run cards on these weekends, but back in the day they used to. And they, this is like, those cards were like, as Brian Campbell would say, this is like one of their majors. Late Memorial Day weekend was like one of their major weekends. And they would put on like these big stack cards. But they haven't done it in a while. I can't. I mean, with this new TV deal, I ain't mad at it. Because I think we could all use a little bit of a breather. But this used to be a very big weekend for the UFC. And now they, they don't run cards on that long weekend. So, yeah, it's interesting to, to go back and look at these cards. Uh, Zach, hello. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? 
Good. I got three quick things, three quick questions for you. Uh, well, not questions, but first, you're. Uh, I say this facetiously, but you're not a real Boston Celtics fan if you weren't sweating last night when they when the bench warmers cut it down to nine with like a minute and a half to go. Not a real Celtics fan if you're uh, if you weren't sweating that out. Um, but two quick questions. Uh, first off, a little personal. Uh, I got a baby boy on the way, and I know you have about what, like a ten-year-old son. Uh, how have you introduced MMA to him? If you have, if you plan on it, just want to get your thoughts on that—a little personal and also uh, professionally as an MMA reporter, commentator, however you want to classify everything you do. Um, why do you give Colby Covington the time of the day to even? View his bullshit out there. I know it's a little brash how I put it, but that's just how I see it. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, fair enough. I, I respect that question. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Uh, I, well, the Celtics thing. I mean, look, is there a part of you that thinks like the NBA will just invoke like a 30-point basket when they play the Celtics? Sure. Uh, but I felt pretty good. Even, even though it got cut down to single digits at a certain point, like I still felt pretty good about it. Um, I just didn't like to see the backup players in there. And I know that's kind of a, a hot take. I wanted to see the Celtics win that game by a hundred. Like I didn't want them to stop. I even tweeted out step on their throats. No lead is big enough after that first quarter. And I really wish they won that game by 50, but it is what it is. Miami got a little streak going, but Celtics have all the momentum. It's unbelievable. Miami heat fans are, quietest i've ever seen them and it's pretty awesome so as far as mma goes i once in a while like he'll watch with me and mostly it's just because he'll be like all right i want to pick a fighter and then you have to take the other fighter i'll be like okay and then he'll pick somebody i'll be like all right i'll take that guy and if like my guy wins he gets pissed and if his guy wins he like dances all over the house um he's not truly into it if he wants to get into it like i'm down like i'll be happy to show him like fights and classic fights and all that stuff uh sometimes it comes up because you know kids can be assholes now and sometimes kids are gonna pick on you and you gotta kind of learn how to defend yourself and, and do all these different things so you have to sort of separate doing the right thing and defending yourself at the same time. So there's, there, there were certain conversations like my son and I have had where it's like, yeah. So if he says this again, I'm just going to punch him in the face. I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. He goes, but you watch these guys fight on TV. So what's the difference? I'm like, well, these guys are professionals and they sign contracts and they train and like, they agree to this. It's not like you just pick a random guy off the street and you punch him in the face and it's on television. It doesn't work that way. I was like, if you're going to hit somebody, like it's got to count and it's going to matter. So I always, I know it's a different world now, but I always gave the advice my father would give me. They're like, hey, someone puts their hands on you. They start pushing and shoving or whatever. You ask them to stop. And if they keep doing it, you light, as, light their asses up. That's it. In the 80s, early 90s, it was don't throw the first punch unless you have to and always throw the last one. 
And that's how, that's kind of what I taught him. And, and he's learning that. So sometimes the, the job and real life come together in such a strange way, but he kind of understands where I'm, where I'm coming from with that. But yeah, if he's, if he wants to watch and get into it, I'm happy for it. But if he doesn't, then power to him. He loves golf. It's his thing. We go and play golf a lot. I love golf too. So we got our, our, car, our common ground. The Colby thing. Look, I have been in, I've said this before. I've interviewed Colby longer than anybody in this space. No one has interviewed Colby more times than I have. No one has interviewed Colby for longer than I have. Uh, Colby's always been very good to me. Even before he got into the UFC is when I started. I was interviewing him when he wasn't a ranked fighter or even anywhere near it. Uh, I was interviewing him when he was the interim champion. And even before that, when he was trying to get the Woodley fight in every pretty much moment in between, um, he's always been really good with me. And I understand like he says a bunch of dumb things. And I also understand that that is just the persona. That's not the guy. That's not the guy. The Colby Covington that I know that I've known my whole life, texts me on my birthday and says, happy birthday, Mike, just out of the blue. When we jump on a zoom chat before we even hit record to do the show, he, the first thing he asked me is how my wife and kid are doing. How's your family? How's Holly? How's Grayson? Is he still remembers everything? It's like, does, does your son, is he still into Spider-Man? Like that's, that's the guy. And then the camera turns on and you hit record and then, the other dude comes out and it is what it is. Colby, Colby does three, basically does, I mean, he'll jump on like Bisbing's podcast and stuff like that. But for the most part, he talks to me, he talks to James Lynch and he talks to submission radio. That's it. That's it. Um, it's not, it just is what it is. Like I don't look at Colby as the character. I look at Colby as Colby, the guy I've been interviewing for eight years now. That's, that's how I look at him. And he's playing a pro wrestling character. It's like when you interview MJF, when you interview MJF, it's the same thing. Like MJF, when that camera is on him all the time, anytime that's on, he is that he's the character always like that character. When the, when the light is on, he's the character. And that's how Colby is. Does he cross some lines? Sure. When he said the John Anik shit, did it make me uncomfortable? Yes. Did it make me reach out to John Anik and be like, dude, I had nothing to do with that because I knew that thing was going to become a thing? Yes. But Colby's always been really good to me. So just got to deal with the character, and that's what got him over. Barbarossa. Barbarossa. Hi, Mike. Uh, how's your Friday? Good. How's yours? Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Mike, I just want to ask uh, you about how do you think the UFC is dealing with uh, prospects right now? Because I see uh, the guys with most potential are going, uh, putting on ice as of late. For example, uh, um, uh, Omar Noor Magomedov, I think he has undefeated. He puts... Uh, somebody out cold last time but it's been eight months now and he uh, he's not fighting 
the same thing uh, goes for um, um, a lot of other prospects. How do you think about that? Thank you, Mike. I mean, it all depends. It, look, this is the UFC. This isn't Bellator. This isn't the PFL. Um, it is a different structure in the UFC. And I think a lot of us understand the talent of a guy like Umar Namagamadoff, and we want to see him tested. But why would anybody risk their spot to fight this guy who nobody knows, who's really good? The risk-reward just has to be there. And there were talks about maybe throwing him in there with Marab the Welsh. We like, why would Marab ever take that fight? That fight makes no sense to him at all. When why would it? Your teammate and current champion is about to leave the division so you could fight for the belt. And now after beating Pierre Jan, pillar to post, you have to take a step, like nine steps back according to the rankings and fight this killer. Like, what does Marab gain by beating Umar Nurmagomedov? He gains nothing from beating him. Like, in our eyes, we'll be like, damn, this might be the best bantamweight in the world. But in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing if Marab beats him. Zero. And if Umar beats Marab, then that's everything. He jumps to the front of the line. So the risk-reward is, like, it's non-existent. From Rob. And it just seems like Umar only wants like top five, top 10 guys. And there's just not a lot of dudes available. Maybe they do Corey Sanhagen. Like I could see maybe Sanhagen taking that fight. If he doesn't get them and looks like Barab ain't fighting anytime soon. So maybe San, maybe they'll do the Sanhagen fight. I don't know. But the, the thing is like, and I've said this about, Shafkot, and I've said this about Sarukian, and I've said this about some of the other up-and-comers. You can sit there and, and, and fight ranked guys all you want, but if you're only fighting once a year or once every 18 months, like it means nothing. You have to get out there and fight. That's how you get over with the people. That's how Kevin Holland got over. That's how Hamza Chemaev originally got over. That's how you get over. You have to get out there and beat people, and you have to smash them. It's like, I understand Umar wants to fight a top-to-right guy. Just go fight the 40th-ranked guy. Who cares? Go out there and whoop that ass and get over. And then be like, I'm going to fight again next month. And then just do the same thing. If there's not a top-10 guy available, go do that. Like, just get out there and fight and let the people like, support you and get excited about you. That's how this works. That's If you're not a – if you don't have the gift of gab, if you're not the five-tool – fighter and has it all then it's just recognizability is how you get popular that's why kevin holland is so popular right now he's learned people have understood now that he has a little bit of the gift of gab and he isn't the greatest fighter in the world but he fights and he fights often and that's why people love him so the UFC isn't great at developing prospects unless they have like a, a surefire path for what you want to do. And it's just more of like individual matchmaking. Like the Alex Pereira thing, like he's not a prospect, but when they brought him in, they had a plan. Our goal is to get him to Adesanya and they did it perfectly. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And they can do it, but Bellator is the best at developing prospects, I think. I think they are better than anybody. They, they're 
they bring in guys like one and O or O and O and they develop them and put them in great, like look at guys like patchy mix and AJ McKee and Aaron Pico. And like, they're just, they're so who's been to Like they're so good. They're so good at that. The UFC could kind of take a lesson from them for being honest, but yeah, it's either the two, the UFC is either too slow or too fast. Like poor Natty Ice. Natty Ice. Dana didn't even watch Natty Ice's fight. And she was like the prospect on the UFC Vegas 73 card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, JD, hello. Mike, what's happening, buddy? How we doing? Good morning to you. I'm great, man. So I got a, uh, a definitely a free-for-all question for you. Uh, so I'm getting ready to head on my bachelor trip this weekend um, with me and a bunch of my chef buddies. Uh, so my question to you is, uh, do you, do you have any stories from your bachelor party or bachelor trip? Uh, if you had one, um, but anyway, man, thank you so much. You're awesome. Toodaloo. Thanks man. Uh, so I didn't do much for the bachelor party. Like I just, we rolled deep, man. Like, I have like a big family. I have a lot of like cousins and br- I have three brothers, uh, a bunch of friends from like all over the country. So, I mean, there was like 35 of us. It was insanity. Uh, plus like people I was working with at the time uh, at the restaurant I was bartending at. There's just a lot happening. So we didn't really do a trip. We just did like, we picked a day and we basically went to the local country club and we bought, we, we just kind of took up like 10 tea times, uh, played golf, had some beverages, was feeling pretty, pretty frosty at the end of it. Uh, had a couple cigars. We, uh, had some lunch and some beers after and then went back home and continued on just hanging out and chit chatting, got ready. And then we went to, uh, we ba- I basically was doing karaoke and hosting trivia nights. Uh, and there was this one place that I did stuff like three nights a week for. And they basically were like, we'll close the whole restaurant for you. Like, just bring everybody in. Like, you'll have to obviously pay for shit, but like, we'll, you know, we'll give you discounts on the food and all that. Uh, so we did. We basically took over this, this restaurant. Uh, they closed it for us. We had a tremendous time. We played this like giant poker tournament ate like Kings and I finished second in the poker tournament. And then we played a cash game and 
at that point, things were getting a little blurry after uh, multiple scotches. And somehow I woke up the next day with like $500 cash in my pocket. And I was like, how did that happen? He goes, because everyone kept going one on, everyone kept playing cash games with you and you just kept getting these monster hands and you kept going all in and everyone thought you were just like half dead and they were calling you and you just had like these massive hands and you took like everybody's money. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that happened, but interesting. But yeah, that's what we did. We didn't do anything fancy, but it was a great time. And then my wife did something similar, like right around at the same time. Uh, they went out and like danced and had dinner and food and stuff like that. But, but have fun, man. It's a, it's a good time. Those are good times. James, hello. Hey, heck of a morning to you, Mike. Hey, uh, always seems like with these UFC cards, I always have an itch to watch fights. Maybe I'm just used to watching everything Saturday. I know there's a LFA card Saturday, but uh, is there anything like what's the fight card of the week? Like what's gonna what's Mike Heck gonna be watching this weekend? Uh, thanks, man. Have a heck of a weekend, and thank you for what you do for all of us. Everyone have a great long weekend if you have one. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, what fights will I be watching this weekend? I'll be watching no fights this weekend. I'll be watching zero fights this weekend. I'm getting away from it. Uh, I'm going to play some golf tomorrow morning. It's the wife and I's anniversary this weekend, so um, there will be no watching of fights. Monday, I will be on the desk for like a half a day. Uh but it's also Memorial Day. I'll be doing the Murph Monday morning. Try to get through that craziness. And yeah, I will be avoiding fights as much as possible this weekend. I'm enjoying, I'm going to enjoy the weekend off from fights. It's nice to separate from once in a while. Now, listen, I'm not telling you, you have to do the same thing. If you want to watch fights, go watch fights. There's boxing, there's, Go to Kapos' account. He will find you like 14 cards that nobody knew was happening. So if you want to watch it, it's there. It's definitely there for you. But for me, I'm, I'm going to try to avoid it at all costs. Uh, let's go to Lone Wolf. Then we'll go to Tristan. What's up, Lone Wolf? Good. I, uh, I want to talk about UFC 290 on which Volkanovski is going to fight. Uh, so do you, uh, do you think Rodriguez stands any chance against uh, Volk? Like Volk already crushed all of the uh, uh, featherweights. Yes, featherweights. He crushed all of the featherweights. Do you think Rodriguez has any chance like defeating Volk or still Volk will... Uh, remain the champion of this division and eventually will fight Islam for the second time. What do you think about Volk's future in UFC? This is my question. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what, man. And this is... I understand this is not as big as either of these. Like, this will not do the business that either of these do or anything like that. Totally get it. Uh... Volk Rodriguez is the fight I am looking forward to the most this year. As of right now, what is on the docket, what is on the books, that fight I am completely fascinated by. 
I'm probably going to pick Volkanovski to win, but Yair is just a problem for everybody. He's a problem for everybody. And Max Holloway is one of the most durable SOBs you'll ever find in your life. And Yair put the boots to him in that fight. Max won it, but it seemed like one of those fights where, like, Max won the battle, but Yair won the war. Like, it was just one of those types of situations. Yair is really good. He's coming into his own. That Josh Emmett performance was something else. And if Volk gets... Not saying that Volk's going to, like, overlook Yair at all because of the possibility of a potential Islam rematch hanging in the balance, which I do think is possible. He goes out there and just melts Yair Rodriguez and Charles Oliveira beats Benil Dariush. There's a real world the UFC is going to try to give Volkanovski a big bag of money to go to Abu Dhabi and fight Makachev again because that's a gigantic fight. But, boy, I can't wait to watch this fight. This is going to be a hot take. I'm looking more forward to that fight than I am Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje too. For different reasons. For different reasons. We know what we're going to get from Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje too. We know what we're going to get. We don't know who's going to win, but we know the kind of fight we're going to get. Don't have any clue we're going to get at this one. No idea. Can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait for July 8th. Wish I could be there. We'll not be there for International Fight Week, but uh, we will have the watch party, and I'm man, I can't wait for that one. Cannot wait. So, do I think the other question was, do I think Yair has a chance? Yes, I do. I do think he has a chance. I think he has a better chance than really anybody that Volk has fought in this division. Tristan, what's up? Mike, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, two questions here. Uh, pretty much like a sneak peek of next week's card, Amir Bazi versus Kai Kai French. Just your thoughts about that matchup a little bit. Um, I did watch uh, this morning some tape on Amir. He looked uh, really good in his last matchup. Obviously, he's more of a grappler. Uh, Kai Kai French, obviously, is more of a striker. But I think uh, Kai Kai French's takedown defense is pretty good. So it's going to be a close fight. I just, just want to know who you are uh, giving that matchup to um, when that fight happens uh, next Saturday. And then um, my second question is in regards to the Boston Celtics. They won yesterday, uh, looked really good. Um, Jimmy Butler at the press conference pretty much said, we're going to win game six and end this, uh, end this thing. Um, we'll, we'll have yet to see that. We'll see about that. But um, my, my question goes beyond that. Um, F, whether they win or – I mean, if they lose, then it's, it's going to be rough. But here's the thing. I was listening to Brian Windhorse on ESPN, and they were talking about – um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum being eligible for the Supermax, both of them. So the commitment would be $590 million between the two. Uh, you know, what, would you, what, would you, what do you do at that point? I mean, do you just, like, bite the bullet and just be like, yo, we've got to bring them back? Because the thing is, the free agency market is not really great, so they're not going to really have any choice to, um, to look, to, you know, to, if they have to make some changes on the team, it's going to have to be around those two. So what's your thoughts about that? Thanks for everything, Mike. Have a heck of a heck of a day. Hmm. I like Albazi against Kaikar France, but that's a close fight. I'm looking at the betting odds right now. It's a complete pick 'em, so and I totally understand that. But that's a good one. It's a good fight. Looking forward to it. I mean, I think the Celtics will try to like 
try to get both of them at a slight discount, but my hunch is that they're going to keep Jason Tatum and they would, if they have to choose between one or the other, they're going to keep Jason Tatum and they'll dump Brown. Um, and Brown might like, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. Cause I think Brown could be like a gigantic valuable piece on any team in the league. But I think Tatum's just the dude. Tatum is the dude in Boston. Like Jalen Brown is a is a solid one B, but Tatum's the guy. Uh, and I think Jalen needs a place where it's like, okay, I might not be the guy, um, but I don't even want to be. I don't even need to be in the conversation to be the guy. Just let me like sort of pick up the pieces and just be that sort of under the radar element. Uh, Colin Cowher was talking about this and I actually thought about this and I was like, it made a lot of sense. Cause he usually says a bunch of dumb things too, but Jalen Brown, like on the, the warriors, good God almighty. What a great addition that would be for them. And I think Jalen would be a great addition to a lot of different teams, especially if he doesn't have to be the guy, if he could just be like a really solid number two, number three guy on a starting lineup, that team gets exponentially better. So my guess is if they have, if they can only keep one, they'll keep Tatum. And, but I think they're going to do their damnedest to try to keep both of them. And that's what I'm hoping for. And if they win game six, the Celtics win game six, they're going to win game seven. And if they win game seven, sorry, Chuck, sorry, Chuck Mendenhall. You're, you're going to get run over in the finals. Kurt. Hello. Kurt? Okay, nothing from Kurt. Uh, there we go. Four on sniper. Yep. Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, so, no uh, MMA-related question for me today. I just wanted to ask you, who would you say in your eyes is probably the biggest what-if in WWE history? whether that be somebody that maybe had all the potential in the world and WWE for some reason didn't push them, or maybe they, you know, suffered an injury that didn't allow them to compete anymore. Just, uh, I guess your opinion on that. That's all, Mike. Man. Um, golly. That's a good one. That's a really good question. A lot of it would have to do with like timing, I think. Um, like there were certain times, like when Ric Flair first like came to WWF, like the timing was just bad. And it was just straight like that when Flair, because I was like, a, like I was a kind of a geeky wrestling fan where I watched everything. Like I watched everything. I watched WCW. I watched, I watched WWF. I watched, you know, everything I could watch. Like everything I get my hands on, I would watch. And so, like when Rick, obviously when Ric Flair went to WWF, I was like, "This is friggin' awesome. We're gonna get like Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. Like this is gonna happen. It's gonna be like a WrestleMania main event. The two biggest stars in the sport, two of the biggest names in the sport." But you know what I realized when Ric Flair came to WBF? 
is that w, like WWF fans, for the most part, knew nothing about WCW. They knew nothing about them. There were a certain small percentage of people who were WWF fans who knew who Ric Flair was, but not a lot of them. So he just never really got over at all. And it was just a, it was a hardcore fan signing. And that's why his run was not very good. It just wasn't good. It never really resonated with the people because no one knew who he, no one really knew who he was. The jet flying, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. Like no one knew. And that's that's when I realized I was like, huh, I guess uh not everyone watches everything. And that's kind of that's when I say like where MMA is, is kind of where pro wrestling was back then. It's a hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent true. That's where we're at right now. If, uh, I'm trying to think of like, trying to just throw a name out there. Like if a Deem Nemkov signed with the UFC tomorrow, all of us in this room would be like, oh, man, that's really cool. And then if we saw a fight poster, it was like, Jabal Hill's fighting Vadim Nemkov for the UFC light heavyweight title at UFC 297. The hardcores would be like, oh, wow, this is cool. But most people who would react to that would be like, who? Who the hell is Vadim Nemkov? That's kind of where we're at right now. So, I mean, there's... The more I talk about these things and the more I think about them, the more similarities that I that I see with like where the the sport of MMA is right now. It's almost mirroring where the pro wrestling scene was like 30 years ago. It's crazy. It's crazy. But biggest what ifs. Hogan Austin would be a big is a huge what if. Uh Hogan Goldberg or not Hogan Goldberg. Uh Austin Goldberg. We never got to see that. Uh, where Bret Hart's career would have ended up if Goldberg didn't kick him in the head and end it. Uh, there's a lot of other, like, like if Ric Flair got into WWF in like 1987 when Hulkamania was running wild, brother. That would have been an interesting time. There's a lot. I have to think about it, but uh, it's a great question. There's probably like obvious ones that I'm just not even thinking about. Uh, we'll take one more. We'll go to Harry, and then I'm going to get out of here. Harry, hello. Hey, guys. I'm going to stop I'm, I'm dick. Everyone can wait. Order. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. All right. Maybe, sounds like you're on a school bus, perhaps. Maybe going on a field trip. I don't know. All right. I think uh, on that note, I don't think we can go. I don't think we can get any better. I don't think we can get any higher than a school bus call in. So, thank you all very much. You are the best. Uh, AK and I are going to be recording a special edition of On to the Next One that'll drop on Sunday. We're going to be recording that in a couple of hours. We got a lot of questions and looking forward to answering them. And I believe there's going to be a nice little roundtable podcast coming up as well. On the podcast network, uh, I believe it's Dana White related. So stay tuned for that. And that's it, everybody. So 
For those in the U.S. who are about to have a long weekend, enjoy it. Get some sun. Remember what Monday's all about. And if you're doing Murph, good luck to all of you. Let's go out there and kill it and PR it. And enjoy your weekend off from the Ultimate Fighting Championship, everybody. But back on this show Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.